Oh, come on. Good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? You feel good? Look at somebody right next to you. Go ahead and look at them and say, you look so good, your hair could withstand a tornado. Go ahead and tell them that. Say, your hair's on point. It's so good to see everybody today. What an honor to have you here at our South Metro Atlantic campus, our broadcast campus, and it's a joy to be together. Let me look in the cameras in the back of the room. I want to welcome our West Side Atlantic campus. Love what God is doing there. And then our Montgomery County, Maryland campus. Listen, these next two Sundays for our MoCo campus in Maryland are big Sundays. Today, they're having a big Go Team volunteer uh, training session because next Sunday, after being eight years portable, they move into their very own building. Come on, somebody. That's a big deal. Oh, come on. Show some love better than that. That's what I'm talking about. So really proud of all of you. And then, of course, everybody watching online today. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, we greet you today. And so, all right, Go Church, one big family. Put your hands together. Greet all of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Come on. Good. And then you know this. We've got a tradition here. Before we get into the Word, we honor our military men and women and first responders. So if that's you at every campus, we just want to show you some love. If you're a veteran of the military, active duty, or first responder, would you put your hand up real quick? And I want every campus to go crazy. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, keep clapping. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless the two of you this side over here. Come on, five more seconds. That's what I'm talking about. I love it. She put your hand up for you. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, you are in for a wonderful, wonderful treat today. We have the one, the only Charlotte Gamble in the house. Come on, go church. And so for the last few weeks, we've been promoting her ministry, and it is an honor and a privilege to have you here today. Um, I'll say this all day long, but this is the first time that we've ever met her in person, the first time she's ever met us in person. And so I, I think that we think a lot highly of her than she probably thinks of me anyway. Uh, but they flew over from the UK yesterday. They got in last evening. And then, of course, now they're a part of the wonderful thunderstorm, severe weather here on the south side of Atlanta. But it's just a joy to have you. You are in for a powerful word today. I wept through the entire closing and so there's a, a lot that we can say about Charlotte. I've shared with her ministry with you the last couple of Sundays leading up to today. Um, so I won't get into all of that. I do want to tell you this, because I really think for those of you that don't know her, like we didn't know her personally, but knew of her ministry, this story will just really resonate in your heart. Early this morning, when the storm started coming in, I had my assistant ring her hotel room and say, okay, we've got bad weather possible tornadoes could happen. We don't know, but we want to give you the opportunity to opt out of coming if you don't feel safe. You know, she's not from the South. She don't know how the weather works in the South here. And so she said, no, I'm coming to, I'm preaching at Go Church today. Come on. So I drove, I drove and picked her and, and her friend slash assistant for this trip, travel assistant for the trip up. And on the way here, she said, pastor, I know that having a guest speaker, you worry about the weather and all of that. She said, but I didn't come for the crowd. I came to build the local church. That's really powerful, isn't it? In a world of like celebrity preachers and people that want to just be famous and they do things to be in a large room, while this is a, a great church and God is moving, I know the weather has forced some of you to stay home and watch online, which I get, but for your heart just to be here, irregardless of the circumstances, Man, that speaks volumes to me. So whatever campus you're a part of today, the Bible says give honor where honor is due. So I want every person at Go Church, stand on your feet. Come on. And I want you to clap, shout, scream, and welcome to the stage, Charlotte Gamble. Come on. Let's go. Hey, hey. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm gonna ask you to stay on your feet before you pop back down into that chair and get yourself all comfortable. I know, I'm bossy and I've only been here five minutes, right? Um, I want you to stay on your feet because we're gonna pray in a moment and honor the Word of God before we lean in and learn from the Word of God. But first of all, I wanna say that I am really thankful for the opportunity to be here. Um, you know, I, uh, I do get to travel with what God has asked me to do with what he's entrusted to my life, but I'm very careful also about where I go. I don't think I should just go because somebody asked me to go. I wanna be where God needs me to be for the season that he needs me to be there. And uh, so there was no storm gonna stop me today because I believe that I come by assignment from God to be here at Go Church. 
And uh, I kind of always like to give um, a disclaimer because, you know, I, I just want to set you up for the right expectation. Um, I'm not a wow preacher. Like, take a W off. I'm an owl preacher, okay? Today, you probably won't say wow, but you could very well say ow. Because the thing is about the Word of God, there's definitely candy in the Word of God, right? The stuff that's sweet and and makes us soothes us and makes us feel good and makes us feel blessed. But the Word of God also has a lot of greens in it. How many of you know, like if you wanna grow strong, you have to eat the right amount of greens, not just sugar. And I'm a greens preacher. I go to the Word of God and He always shows me the stuff that maybe is not the most popular, maybe won't make you feel the most comfortable, but it will grow you today. Like today you will grow. Like if you allow God to speak to you because He's a speaking God, He will challenge and He will change you because that's the God that we serve. And so I always think it's important that we just get our hearts ready. You know, I've been preaching since I was 21. I'll be 50 this June. And so I've been doing this a while. One of the things I've realized is whenever we open the Word of God and preach and minister, like it's like seed, okay? The, the Word's like seed and it goes into the room, gets thrown out into the room. And what I've realized is I can be in a service and I can throw out the seed of the Word of God and there can be somebody like three rows back and they are completely transformed. And then there can be someone that's like two seats away from that person and they leave the same way they came in. And you're like, what is that about? And I've come to realize it's nothing to do with the seed because the seed is not faulty. But the Bible says that we are all responsible for our soil. So actually, the difference today is not in the seed, the difference is in the soil of your heart. And the Bible says sometimes our soil is distracted, sometimes it's got weeds that choke out the power of the seed. And so you need to make sure that every time the Word is preached that you take care of your soil. That you go, okay, God, I'm, I'm removing the distraction. I'm removing the things that could choke what it is that you wanna say to me. And that's why we stand. Just to say to God, okay, I'm gonna do my part so that you can do your part. So God, we just take a moment and we just recognize that God, your word, it is powerful. that is seed, that is seeking to be planted in the soil of our lives, our marriages, our homes, our families. And God, so often we ask you for a word and yet our soil rejects the word. God, we ask you to bless us and yet we're not willing to carry the seed that actually will be the vehicle for that blessing. So I pray for every single person today on every campus, all those at home, that right now they would just do the work to remove the distractions, to remove the hard soil. And I pray every heart today would give you permission, God, to do what you need to do. I pray that every wall would come down and every mindset would shift and every obstacle would be lowered and every negativity would be silenced. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that we would be those who say, God, speak, and we don't have any conditions attached. We just want you to have your way. And so God, I pray today for this house, for this people, and I pray I would get out of the way so that you, God, can have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may take your seats. I love the local church. I have been in the same church all my life. I've tried to escape several times and God sent me right back. I love the local church. I know that it can be awesome at times and in seasons it can feel more difficult to be part of a community, but I believe wholeheartedly that God is building His church. He is building His house and we get to be a part of that. And because I have the opportunity and have the responsibility to go and speak into the church globally. 
it is also upon me to observe what I see and to, once I've observed what I see, pray and ask God what it is that He is trying to reveal in this season through the church. And so I took time before I got here to really seek God and pray and say, God, I don't just wanna go and deliver a word, the thing that I feel right now in my own heart for my own life. I want the right word for this church in this season. And, and that's what I'm believing God's gonna have me deliver today. I don't want you to hear this is just a person that's passing through. I want you to hear this is someone that's committed to building alongside your team and your leaders, building Go Church. And and one of the things I've observed as I've traveled over the last few years is that I think a lot of the church have got altitude sickness. I think we've been through a pandemic and we've been through political disruptions and we've been through unrest and we've been through civil fighting and, and, and all kinds of fallout in the, in the nation you represent and also other nations around the world. And a lot of that has actually affected the church and our mentality and the way that we believe and the way that we think. I think a lot of what we've been through has, has disconnected people from the community of God's people. I think today there are some of you that are at home watching church online because you have a good reason but if you're honest, there are some of you that are watching church online because you've just got used to doing church in your pajamas and it feels nice and it's cozy and it's comfortable and we've ended up disconnecting when everything about the Word of God and the ways of God says we're supposed to be a community and be in the house and be building life together. And so I think we need to be careful that we don't allow the world around us to begin to shape the God world within us because God is asking us as His people to be the answer to the darkness and to step into the gap. And we can't do that if we begin to live our life with this altitude sickness of fear of believing and reaching for anything higher. You know, altitude sickness means you don't like heights and you don't anymore want to go higher. And I believe that God is asking the church to come higher, to move to a higher level, to live at a higher level. But if we allow the culture around us to make us fearful, we begin to settle for the lower. We begin to live in the lower. And last time I checked, there's nothing about the God we serve that is lower. Everything about Him is higher. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 55 verse nine that his ways are higher, that his thoughts are higher, that he's inviting you and I to move up to a higher level and there's not one version of the Bible that says, but if you don't like heights, if you're not really keen on going higher, don't worry, I'll bring my thoughts lower, I'll bring my ways lower. It's not there, it's not in any version of the Bible because the invitation with God is always to move from where we are to where He is. God wants your life and mine to move to another level, to a higher level. And I think right now across the world, that is the challenge to the church. The church that has become comfortable or disconnected or a little fearful or retreated a little into itself. God is saying, no, that is not where I've called you to live. That is not what your destiny looks like. Your church is called Go Church for a reason. And if you're gonna be called Go Church, you're gonna have to keep going higher and you're gonna have to keep reaching for more because that's the God that you serve and I serve. And I think a lot of us as the people of God are frustrated at times because we're asking God for more and we're asking God for great, but we're not willing to move to where more and great is. I don't know if you have any friends in your world that have little people attached to them. I have no more little people attached to me. My kids are very much big people now. Um, but if our friends are coming over that have little people attached to them, I'll say to my husband, hey, hey, they're about five minutes out, which everybody in my household knows is code for whatever is valuable, we need to move it higher. Right? Because the little people that are about to come in my house do not know the difference between their drumstick that is plastic and my glass candlestick. They don't understand the difference. And so what I'm doing is I'm moving things that are valuable to a higher level because their immaturity means they won't know how to handle the thing that actually is more expensive. And so I'm moving it higher not to punish them, but I'm moving it higher to protect them. 
And I sense there's this season where we're praying big prayers, but God's like, I hear you, but you're gonna have to mature to be able to handle what it is that you're asking me for. Listen, some of you are like, God, give me a million dollars. God's like, I, 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 I have you know, a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. I'm the God that can provide in a way that is miraculous. You're asking me for a million dollars, but you don't wanna tithe off your 30. You're asking me for the glass candlestick, but you're not understanding it doesn't feel and doesn't hold in your hand the same as your plastic drumstick. That there's a responsibility with this that's different than the responsibility of this. And I'm not about to bring that down to this level because I don't wanna put it in the hands of someone that's not willing to come higher. And so I think there's a lot of us that need to understand that it's not that God is not answering us, it's not that God doesn't wanna provide for us, it's not that God is not wanting to do the miracle for us, you've just come out of a series about Him being the God of miracles, well guess what? God requires something from you as part of the miracle. He told the man on the mat, get up. He told the person that was feeling that like they couldn't move, you need to pick up your mat and go home. He's, in other words, he's saying, I can heal you, but you have to move. You have to move off your mat of excuses. You have to move out of this place you've got yourself stuck in, that this miracle requires from you motion. And in this season, Go Church, there is some motion that God is requiring from you as a people. There is some lifting of a higher level. Listen, I work out every day, not because I like to, but I enjoy food, so I have to. And I work out and I run every day. And every day when I get on my treadmill, I run on my treadmill. And there is a button on my treadmill that offends me every single time I get on it. I don't know why it's there. I didn't ask for it to be there. It serves no purpose to me. And that button is the button that says incline. I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, like you should just be applauding me that I'm on this sucker, not asking me to now press an incline button. But it's letting me know this thing that I'm giving my energy to has an ability to come higher. It has an ability, but I don't want to go higher because I know that's gonna ask from my muscles something different than what I'm used to. And some of you are doing Christianity and doing your membership at Go Church in a way that you've done for the last five years, the last 15 years, and God's like, there's a button called incline. I'm asking you to push it. Yeah, but that doesn't feel comfortable. I'm asking you to push it. Yeah, but I always do church this way. I'm asking you to push it. Yeah, but I always go to that service. I know they need room in the other services, but I always go to that service. I always sit in that chair. I always go and sit with those people. I always have coffee with those people. I only go to church when they go to church. I don't only do church, I do church once a month, not twice a month. I don't do Saturday morning prayer. I only do Sunday services. Hello, God's like, anytime you're ready. There's a whole nother set of muscles that actually are gonna add something to your life that you sticking on the level that you're in, you will never experience. Some of you are like, this is challenging. Yes, it is. The Bible is challenging. We, we are following, I'm sorry, but I just have to say it. Like, <laughs> it's a bit of bad weather. We ain't being beaten and persecuted like Paul was. Like, I'm like, I think I'll make it through the rain to church today. I think I'm gonna be good. I don't think I'm gonna be lashed like the Apostle Paul was. I don't think I'm gonna be bitten by a snake or shipwrecked like the Apostle Paul was. And I think we've got so comfortable We've become such pampered Christians. And then we say we wanna reach our community for Jesus. What do you think it's gonna look like? It's gonna look like getting past the weather. It's gonna look like getting a little uncomfortable. It's gonna look like pressing incline and feeling a little stretch in a way that maybe we haven't before. And so today, I wanna help you, church, go to the level that God has for you. I don't want you to miss in this season what God has available to you. I want you to get the candlestick that God has for you, but you're gonna have to push the button and go higher. And in the Bible, there is a story that's a hard story to read. It's a hard story to preach from because it's a challenging story where God asks one of his servants to come higher, but in order to come higher, he's gonna have to hit the incline button and he's gonna have to feel some pain in a way that he's never felt pain before. And so many of us never make it to the higher because we don't want the pain that this servant of God was willing to actually say yes to. His name's Abraham and his story is in Genesis 22. 
And it's the story of Abraham being asked to come higher. And in his coming higher, he's asked to sacrifice his son. Think, well, how could God ask something so difficult? How could he be so cruel to expect something so costly to be sacrificed? Because God has a higher perspective. And when God's asking for something, he already has the provision planned. When God's asking for a sacrifice, he already has the miracle already in motion that that is gonna introduce you to. God's perspective is so much different than our perspective. That's why God's asking may make no sense to us, but it makes every sense to the one that sees everything that we cannot see. And the whole passage in Genesis 22, the subheading for this chapter, it says Abraham is tested. Well, we already don't like this story because we don't want to be tested. We want to be blessed. We want to be stroked. We want to be comforted. We want to be prayed for. We want to be encouraged. We don't want to be tested. But can I tell you something? God tests you not to punish you. God tests you to graduate you. Some of you right now are in a season of testing and you're getting mad at God about it and you're frustrated about it. I wanna reframe the way you see this season. Think of it this way. If I was to take lessons to learn to drive, there comes a point where I'm ready to go and sit my driving test. And when I get in the vehicle with the examiner who's going to sit in the car and let me know whether this test means I qualify, the instructor is there to not punish me, but potentially promote me. Like he's gonna sit with me in the vehicle and if I am ready for the test, he's then at the end of it gonna give me the set of keys and say, you no longer need me in the vehicle. You can take this thing on your own. You have a new set of freedom available to you. He's not testing me to punish me. He's testing me to promote me. If I went to medical school, I'm gonna sit through all of these lessons and eventually I'm gonna sit an examination. And the examination is there to make sure that when they say I graduate, I actually am able to put the scalpel in my hand and not hurt someone, but heal someone. God tests us because he sees something in us that's ready. If God's testing you right now, it's because he sees something in you that's ready to move from where you are to where he needs you to be. The test is about graduating you into a new level that he has for you. So stop whining about the testing and start saying, thank you, God, you see something in us. You see something in Go Church that is worth graduating in this next season. There's three things that happened for Abraham in this journey that he's about to go on. I think these three things happen in our journey and I wanna draw them to your attention today, Go Church, because I think God's requiring the same three things from you guys. I wanna look at briefly elevation, preparation, and revelation. Number one, if God's calling you higher, it will require elevation. Verse one says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, Here I am, he replied. I feel like that's what's going on around the globe right now in so many settings. Like when I was at school, the teacher, every time that you went to school in the morning and maybe you do the same over here, they would call the register call and they'd read every student's name out and when your name was read out, you had to say, here I am to let the teacher know I showed up today. I'm present today. I think God's doing a register call. Like who's in for this? Who's up for this? Who's willing to do this? And I sadly find in a lot of places where I thought people would say, here I am, they are no longer there. Where I thought people would say, use me, God, they no longer wanna be used. Where I thought people would be present, they are not present, they used a pandemic to check them out of church and they never checked back into church. And if you want elevation, if you wanna move from where you are, to where God has for you in this next season, elevation begins with location. Like here I am, listen to me. God just needs you to be honest in this season about where you are. And then God will take you from where you are to where he's calling you to be. Stop faking your location. Stop saying I'm all in when the truth is you're not all in. Stop saying I'm totally committed when you're not totally committed. Stop saying I'm praying when you're not praying. Start saying I'm full of faith when you're actually full of fear. 
because God knows where you actually are. Hello. So why tell him where you're not when he knows where you are? If you want to get out of where you are, if you want to move from where you are, just say, here I am. It's like Sometimes when I go out in the car with my husband, God bless all the men in the house today. I'm sure none of you are guilty of this sin that my husband sometimes is guilty of. But if we get lost, I'll say to him, babe, we're lost. He'll say, it's fine. I know where I'm going. I'm like, no, you don't know where we're going. I've seen that building five times in the last 15 minutes. We are not going in the right direction. I'll say, hey, here's an idea, mind-blowing idea pull the car over, put the window down and say to someone, we are lost. And he'll be like, no, I got this. I'm gonna figure it out. I got this. I'm like, we don't got this. And we'll circle and we'll circle. And I think some of us do that with God. And we just need to stop our life, put the window down and say, here I am. Right now I'm in fear. Right now I'm anxious. Right now I'm not in a good place. God's like, thank you. I already knew that's where you were, but now you've admitted it. I can show you where we're going. So God's like, Abraham, he's like, here I am. I'm at the bottom of this hill. I'm I'm listening, God. I'm present, God. And from that place of his location, God says, okay, I want you, therefore, to take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Well, wait a minute. Is God having a bad day? Did he not get his Starbucks? Like, Like, God, you know that there's not an only son. You know that Abraham has more than one son. So why would you say, take your only son? That makes no sense. Well, in the root word of only in this passage of scripture, God's not saying take your only as if he only has one. The root word here says that God is saying, take the unique promise that I gave you. In other words, I'm not talking to you about the son that you made happen out of your own frustration. I'm not talking to you about the thing that you made happen in your own efforts. I'm after, at this season, I'm after the unique gift that I gave you, the thing I entrusted to you, the calling, the ministry, the business, the relationships. I'm after speaking to you about that. And God says to him, I'm asking for that to be laid back down. I wanna know if the thing I entrusted to you has a greater hold on you than I have on you. I've been through a season recently where God's asked me to lay down things that I never thought I would have to lay down. Been in the same church all my life, pastoring all my life, and then God's like, I'm asking you to lay it down. Ran a conference that was filling arenas with thousands of women, been doing it for 20 years, started with three women in a small room, praying and believing, now all this success. And I felt God say two years ago, I need you to lay it down. I'm like, but God, it's been a lot of work to get it this far. Could you not let me enjoy it for a little longer? makes no sense in my emotional world, but made every sense in my obedience world. God's like, I need you to lay it down because if you're gonna go higher, I need to know that I am greater than the thing that you're handling. God's elevation always begins with decrease. There's always something that has to be sacrificed in order for us to go to the level that God has for us. And in this moment, God's saying, Abraham, I need you to lay down that unique gift. I need you to lay down that issue. I need you to lay down the thing that you're holding on so tight to. And then God says this, and go to the mountain that I will show you. It's amazing to me how many of us are climbing mountains that God never asked us to climb. Striving on the mountain of success, striving to get more followers on Instagram, striving to get more success financially, climbing the mountain in this area of achievement. And we're like, God, if you could just help me out, this is so much hard work. And God's like, you're on your own, buddy. I never told you to climb that mountain. I never told you to go up that mountain. You chose to go up that mountain, but you never once asked me if that was the mountain I was showing you. And I think honestly, this is a time where we've all got to ask ourselves, have we asked God to show us the mountain? 
And if God's shown us the mountain, then no other mountain will do than the mountain that God has shown for us to climb. Because I don't wanna climb a mountain that God's blessing is not on and his protection is not on and his provision is not on. And so he says to Abraham, listen, I need to know where you are. He says, here I am. Then he says, I'm after the unique promise. Okay, I get it. And now I'm gonna show you the mountain. This is a time for us to Ask God about the elevation because this is why it's important. The elevation determines the preparation. You said to me, hey, it's sunny today. Let's go up the hills of Atlanta. I don't know if you have any hills in Atlanta, but let's just pretend you do. I'd be like, okay, sounds great. Let me prepare. And I might go back to my house or back to my room and I might pack my sneakers and I might pack a picnic and I might pack my sunscreen and I might pack a blanket because we're going up the hills of Atlanta. But if you were to say to me after service today, we're all gonna go on a trip and we're gonna go climb Mount Everest. How many of you know I'm not taking my sunscreen or my sneakers or my picnic blanket? because the mountain you've just told me I'm about to climb is gonna determine what I put in my backpack. I'm now gonna get a rope, an ice pick, and I'm gonna get boots that actually can cling on to the surface we're about to go up. And so many of us are packing incorrectly for the incline that God has for us. Verse three is such a Shocking verse to me because it shows, I believe, what has to happen if we're gonna get up the mountain that God has called us to climb. Verse three, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up. In other words, God said, this is the mountain, this is the sacrifice, and he put no delay. Early the next morning, he's like, he realized, if I put delay between what God said and what I do next, I think I'll talk myself out of the obedience that's required. Some of you, God showed you the mountain two two years ago. You still ain't up it because you've been praying about it, talking to your friends about it, having a group meeting about it, discussing it. What do you feel? Oh, I'm not sure what I feel. And you go round and round the mountain. God didn't tell him to go round and round the mountain. He told him to go up the mountain. Going round the mountain is not the same as going up the mountain. And if you go round the mountain, it doesn't really matter what you got in your bag. But once you start going up a mountain, it really does matter what you've got in your bag. You can't afford the extra weight when the incline is getting steeper. You can't afford the extra stuff to be attached to you when you're climbing something that is dangerous if you have the wrong equipment on you. And we've got to understand this is a time where our lives need to reflect our obedience. Where when God says, this is the man, we say, right, let's prepare. What does that look like? What does that financially look like? What does that emotionally look like? What does that relationally look like? Some of you are trying to get a group booking to go up the mountain. Oh God, thank you for showing me the mountain. I'll just talk to so-and-so. I'll just call my friend and see if they're gonna come up the mountain of obedience with me. I'll just make sure that my best friends are all cool with the idea of this mountain that you've told me to do, Lord. This is not a group booking. Bible says that he got up the next morning and he himself began chopping the wood. He didn't delegate that job. He's like, I'm gonna chop this wood, knowing that every piece of wood he chopped was the piece of wood that he would lay his own child on. Knowing that every time he chopped the wood, the sacrifice that was involved that would only be felt by him, not felt by another. And then the Bible says that he said to two of his servants, you can come. Not 10, not 12, just two. And then it says they got to a certain point and he says to the two servants, you can't come any further, you must stay here. Because he understood, if I take you further up this mountain, there's gonna come a point where I pull a knife out, bind my son, and you're gonna think I lost my mind. You're gonna try and wrestle out of my hand the knife and you're gonna try and tell me that what I'm doing makes no sense because you weren't there when God spoke to me about this mountain. And if I take you to a place where you're not ready, you're gonna become interference into my obedience. And so he realized there's a conversation I can have with you here, but when I get here, I'm so gonna need to be in my place of obedience, I can't afford for a conversation that becomes interference. And some of you are in danger of falling off the side of a mountain 
because you're in a conversation that should have never been brought this far up the mountain, which is why you are going one step up and two steps down, one step up and two steps down, and it is exhausting. My sister a few years ago moved to Switzerland. You can't go anywhere in Switzerland without going up something. Everything is up a hill. I remember one day we decided to go with our families up one of the mountains and it was a steep mountain and so we began walking at the bottom of the mountain and everyone's chatting and laughing and talking and planning what we're gonna have for dinner that night. And I realized about 40 minutes in, no one's laughing and chatting about what we're gonna eat that night anymore. And I'll tell you why. Because the higher we went, the thinner the air became. All of a sudden, we didn't have as much oxygen to waste on what we were wasting it on down there. We didn't have enough air and breath in our lungs to have a conversation that didn't matter at this level when down here we had plenty of oxygen to have a conversation. And let me just tell you, I can tell where people are living by the conversations they're having. When you've got all day to sit behind your keyboard and make comments, when you've got all day to complain about what's not happening in the church, when you've got all day to tell everybody your opinion about everything that's going on, when you've got all day to be in everybody's business as well as your own business, you're telling me you're living at the bottom of the mountain because you have a lot of oxygen. When you get up the mountain, you just don't have time. You just feel like, I, I, I can't talk about this anymore. I'm, I'm about, like Nehemiah said, I'm about the Lord's work. I can't come down. I can't get involved in that anymore because if you waste your energy and breath in the wrong conversation up a mountain, it can cost you your life. This is not any more incidental. This is now critical. I've seen so many people in church get so far up a mountain, so close to the place of obedience, and yet fall off the edge of that mountain because they got involved in a conversation that had no intention of following through. So Abraham says to the two servants, you need to stay here. And I love what he says. He doesn't even know what's gonna happen next. He doesn't even know how to explain it. He says this, he says, I got, I, me and the boy, we're gonna go worship. First time worship is ever mentioned in the Bible because the real definition of worship is sacrifice. And now it's just him and the boy. And you know, the boy was not a little boy, right? You do know that at this stage, Isaac wasn't a toddler because the Bible says that it was Isaac that was carrying the wood. Like he's big enough and strong enough to carry the wood that he's gonna be laid on. And so you know by now that there's a, there's a hard conversation coming, which is why you need to save your energy on the wrong conversations because there will be a hard conversation coming when we're getting that close to the top of the mountain. And so Isaac's like, Dad, where is the sacrifice? Abraham just keeps climbing, just keeps walking, just keeps trusting. And eventually they get to the elevation that God had told them, to the top of the mountain that He'd showed them. And it says this, it says, when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham went through with the obedience and he began to build the altar, bind his son. And then he reached to get the knife and then all of a sudden he hears something that sounds strangely familiar. Abraham, Abraham. And he responds, here I am. <laughs> but the second here I am is very different than the first here I am. Because the first here I am was at the bottom of the mountain, but the second here I am is at the top of the mountain. The first. Here I am was where God spoke to him, but the second here I am is him fulfilling what God spoke to him. And let me just tell you something. Between that here I am and this here I am, God 
said nothing. Not one word. You would think when you, when God's asking you to do something so difficult, that God would like drop in every now and again and go, you can do it, you can do it. God said nothing. Some of you right now are frustrated because you feel like God's saying nothing. And I'll tell you why he's not saying anything, because he already told you what to do. He's not gonna change his mind. He told you what to do. He told you which mountain. He told you the sacrifice. And God will speak to you when you get to the place of obedience about what comes next, but not before. At the top of the mountain, he hears those words. You know, oftentimes we've got to come higher to hear the words. You're not going to hear it in the noise. You're not going to hear it down at the bottom. You're going to hear something different when you get higher. A friend of mine is a farmer and built wind turbines on his land. And I went over to visit and I stood at the base of one of those wind turbines and they are huge. And I said to him, why so high? He said, well, I have to get it past all the noise, all the buildings, all the wires, because once I get that high, I get to where the best wind is, the pure wind is, and that becomes renewable energy. And some of you need to find in God the place where there is renewable energy, but it's not down here, and it's not in the wires, and it's not in the traffic. It's way higher than that. Revelation says that the Spirit of God is blowing through the church. And he says to the church, do you not hear the wind words? I think there are some wind words right now that are blowing through the church, but we don't hear them because we're so in the noise, we're so in the traffic, we're so in the wrong conversations. God's like, you need to come higher. And it's only when he gets higher that he hears God. And at that place, God begins to speak to him <laughs> in a way that he didn't speak to him at the bottom. Now God begins to say, Abraham, you don't need to kill this boy. Abraham, I'm gonna provide for you in a way that it will be miraculous. And Abraham, by the way, you're not just his father, but you're the father of many, many nations. And at the top of the mountain, there is a revelation that is about his future and about his destiny and about his calling. God is calling His people higher because God wants to give us a higher revelation of who He is, but He is not gonna bring it down to the bottom of the mountain. And at the top of the mountain, Abraham says something that has never been said before. He says, I call this mountain Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. And you might think that you know and you might have sang a song about God being a provider, but I'm telling you, it's not till you follow through in the obedience that He's asked from you that you actually get to get a glimpse of the Jehovah Jireh that is your provider. And it changes everything. It, it marks you for life. Once you see Him as Jehovah Jireh, once you know Him as Jehovah Jireh, no one can talk you out of the mountain. No one can talk you out of the climb because you know at the top of my obedience is a revelation that changes me forever. Church, some of you need a new revelation of who God is. He is your healer. He is your provider. He is your way maker. He is the restorer. He is the one that picks you out of the mire and clay. He is the forgiver. He is the grace giver. And I'm telling you, you might sing about it on Sunday, but until you are willing to come up higher, you will never see for yourself the revelation He has for you. And I'm here to challenge you, church, today. God is calling you as a church to come up higher. You might say, well, you know, I just like my church like I like my church. I just come on Sunday and it just, you know, I tick the box called church. We've got to shake it off. We're not here to tick a box called church. Easter is right around the corner. He gave His only Son. He gave His life so that you and I could have life. And we're like, ah, I just do church on Sunday to tick a box. Thank God that He didn't just tick a box. 
but He sent His very best so that you, a sinner covered in sin and shame, could be washed clean by the blood of Jesus, that you could be cleansed and forgiven and set on your feet and given a future. Thank God. And I pray in the house today, on every campus, that there will be a commitment that happens where you say, God, show me the mountain. I want all across the room in every place to stand to our feet. I think God is speaking to many of you today about different scenarios. Some of you, it's your marriage, time to come higher. Parenting, time to come higher. Generosity, time to come higher. Choices, time to come higher. Company that you're keeping, time to come higher. Just for a moment, I wanna speak over you as a corporate people. Go church. It's time to come higher. And that's not just upon your leader's shoulders. That is upon all of your shoulders. That this would be a house that says, I wanna help us go higher. I wanna be part of the answer, not the problem. I wanna do what it takes to reach more, go more, be more in this hour that we find ourselves in. It is time for the church to wake up and literally go and be who God has called us to be. So all around the room, across every campus today, I just want eyes to be closed. I'm asking you, church, if you are in the room today, if you are watching online today and you're like, I know that I know there is an area of my life where I just need to come higher. That you would respond like, Abraham, here I am, God, but it's not where I wanna be. I wanna go higher. That is you today. I just want you to lift your hands as we pray. God, you see all of our hands that are raised. God, and in this moment, you and all of the heavenly witnesses are watching. That our hands would be, God, I am willing, that I am ready. And God, we know with our willingness, there comes the challenge for the sacrifice. And so God, I pray today in this house and over these people for a boldness to rise up, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I pray there will be a new boldness that would come into the hearts of your men and your women, your sons and your daughters. I pray that gifting and calling would rise up. I pray that there would be people in the house today that would realize that they have been leveled off at a level of apathy and complacency and today they would be shaken and woken up for their destiny and calling. I pray today for boldness to cut off the wrong conversation so that they can have the right conversation. I pray for boldness today to let go of who needs to be let go of so we can grab a hold of what it is that you have first. I pray today there'll be a holy fear drop on the hearts of your people, that they would live in this place of holy reverence, that God, what you ask is not a suggestion, it is a commandment that requires our obedience. I pray today for a sense of fear to be gone and faith to rise up. And God, I pray over the leaders of this house right now, God. Stretch your hand, church, towards your leaders. God, I pray over this couple that have been faithful in so many seasons, sacrificed so much to build this house, much that no one else has seen but themselves. God, I thank you that they have had an ear that has been inclined to you. And God, I thank you that today you are reminding them that all you require from them is the same ear inclining. I pray today that the noise would die down and that the wind words would become clear. I pray today that a fresh courage would come over their weariness And I pray today that there will be a sense of passion that would reignite, God, what you've already began to stir up in their private conversations. I pray that right now in this moment, you would affirm things in their hearts individually 
that when they talk later, they would know, God, that they know that they know what you're asking them to do corporately. God, I pray for clarity. I pray for fresh vision. I pray for fresh energy. For your best days are not behind you and your best days are not long, long ahead of you. Your best days are in the obedience that is before you, says the Lord. So God, I pray right now, settle some things. Solidify some things. Break some things off. All across the house, just as eyes are closed, I'm gonna ask one more thing. If you're in the room today and you are not right with God, just as that thunder is rolling in the sky to remind you that ultimately He is the one that has the final say. The God of the heavenlies is so concerned about your eternity. Maybe you've been playing with your destiny. Maybe you've been in church, out of church. Maybe you've come because someone else brought you or maybe you know that you are a prodigal running from Him, not to Him. Today, your here I am moment is just the decision to say, God, here I am. I am not where I should be with you. You are not Lord and Savior of my life. Your here I am is being honest about your own salvation and your own eternity. And so right now in every location, in every space, I'm just simply asking if you're not right with God, if your heart's not right with God, if you're running from God, right now is your moment to say, here I am, God, and meet Him in this moment of surrender. If that is you, all you have to do is lift your hand right now where you are. Even if you're at home right now, just make a gesture towards Him. Just lift the hand and say, God, I need to come back to you. I need to put you at the front and center of my marriage, my life again. So many hands. God, you see these hands. God, I thank you for the honesty. That's all you're looking for. God, we can't get unstuck until we admit we are stuck. So right now, as hands are raised, as married couples are both raising their hands, as young people and old people are raising their hands, God, I pray right now they would understand that you are their personal God, that right now they would sense that you are with them and for them. And right now, I thank you for a willingness of surrender that's in their hearts and in their hands being raised. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would meet them in that moment. I pray for forgiveness to flow right now. I pray for marriages to be restored right now. I pray I pray for healing to come right now. I pray for grace and mercy to abound right now. I pray for lost souls to come home in this moment today. God, we thank you that all of that is possible when we are honest before you, God. So God, I thank you for every heart, every decision today. Meet them in that moment as they declare that you are Lord in their life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.